Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Hey everybody, this is the MLB Extras Yankees podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Brian Hoke, our Yankees reporter who has fully recovered from the New York chapter of the BBWAA dinner. It was last weekend. A lot of great baseball stars on hand. Obviously a lot of great writers as well. Brian, you got on stage, I think at least once how did the dinner as a whole go? I did. Yeah, I'd never spoken to a room that large before. We had over a thousand people there and uh, pretty intimidating when you walk up there and, and you look out and um, just trying to pick faces out of the crowd that you recognize. So, yeah, I presented one of the awards to the Mets brand and Nimmo, uh, the good guy award. And um, intimidating, I would say, to be on a dais with all of the MVPs and Cy Young Award winners and all these great Ball players, um, very cool to be in the same room and rub some elbows with them. And uh, fun night for everybody, I think. So uh, always a highlight of my baseball calendar. I always look at it and say, when is the writer's dinner this year? It's usually at the tail end of January, and it's a great way to kind of kick off and get ready for spring training. I generally talk into a camera, which is much easier, but there's been a few times when I've hosted things or emceed things in front of a big crowd. Somebody told me years and years ago that the way to get past the nerves is to picture the entire audience naked when you're out there. I decided that was not a good idea, and I've never done that. But I look at the back wall and talk to the back wall. That is another uh, a thing that works. If you ever have to do that again, there's a couple of options for you. You can choose which one you prefer. All right, let's move on to this New York Yankees team and the infield as we continue to go around the horn and get you ready for spring training. Let's start it first and kind of work our way from right to left, Brian. In first base, is an interesting situation. Luke Voigt, so good late last year, 14 homers, 39 games. He basically took over the position in the postseason. Then you have Greg Bird, where it feels like it's now or never. 82 games last year, he hit 199, 11 homers. Let's go, I guess, big picture. Is this something where these guys are in competition at spring training, or do you think this is already a set pecking order? Um, they're in competition, but Voight has a huge leg up going in. I think that what he showed in the second half last year, he has earned first crack of this job. And he'll be coming in looking to prove that what he was able to do at the tail end of 2018 is who he really is as a player. You know, he was blocked with the Cardinals uh, behind Matt Carpenter, Didn't couldn't really get the reps that he needed at the big league level. And uh, given that opportunity to play every day by the Yankees, he really lit it up. I mean, I think um, if you look back at the numbers, he was the most impactful bat traded ahead of the deadline, and that includes Manny Machado, who went to the Dodgers. So uh, the Yankees really struck gold there with Luke Voigt. It remains to be seen if he can carry it over an entire season. 
Um, Bird is going to come in and try and challenge for that job. I, I think that uh, what you saw from Greg Bird last year was not the real Greg Bird. Um, but unfortunately for him, we're, we're further and further removed from that 2015 season where he really excited everybody and lit it up. Um, he really does need to stay healthy. Uh, this would be a great time for him to do so because there are people in the Yankee organization who still believe in Bird. There's a reason they were so high on him for years and years. But at the end of the day, performance speaks. And uh, it wasn't there for Greg Bird last year. It was for Luke Voigt. And that's why I, I would imagine that, barring injury, Voigt will be the Yankees' opening day first baseman. If it comes down to bench pressing, Luke Voigt will definitely be the Yankees' first baseman. Uh, we learned that last year with the video that went viral a little bit with him doing the one-handed uh, bench presses. But yeah, he was a great story, no doubt. And I remember during the playoffs watching the Red Sox and the Yankees in that series, and as you worked your way through the lineup from the Yankees' perspective, or for, I guess from a Red Sox perspective, it seemed like Luke Voigt was the scariest guy in that lineup to a degree in that series. I know over a course of a season, you're obviously going to fear Giancarlo Stanton and, and Judge and all these guys. But for that short series, he seemed like the guy who was most likely to come out and come up with a big hit. I don't know if the Yankees' perspective saw it that way, but but that was the vibe I got from talking to to Red Sox people during that series. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we always talk about in a postseason series, the team that wins is the one that's the hottest. And Voight was swinging the bat great going into that series. So he was a dangerous hitter. Um, definitely somebody that the Red Sox had to game plan around. You're right in that you look at that lineup up and down and you, you say Judge and Stanton are the guys you don't want to let beat you. But Voight was as lethal as anybody in that lineup. And um, if he can carry that over into 2019, the Yankees – Got something really special then for uh, Chase and Shreve and Gio Gallegos, uh, who were kind of two spare parts there out of the bullpen for the Yankees. Didn't really fit a need going forward. Uh, Luke Voigt could fit a, fit a pretty big need going forward for them. Yeah, what a deal that could end up being if he continues with that production. All right, over to second base we go. Uh, Gleyber Torres obviously seems like the clear fit to start. Uh, DJ LeMayhew was the second baseman. Seems like he's going to have more of a utility role. So we'll get to him a little bit later. Let's talk about Torres. Um, he was supposed to be the the star rookie, and he was to a degree. He just kind of was overshadowed a little bit because Miguel Andujar maybe had a better season than him. But Gleyber Torres, um, with a year under his belt, um, I guess it can go two ways, right? You can have a sophomore slump, or he can build upon what he did. But there's no reason to think this guy can't be great in 2019. No, and, and what I remember about Gleyber Torres coming to the big leagues is for a week and a half, it was like they didn't lose a game with him on the roster. And um, he was definitely one of the more impactful hitters in that order. You kept wondering when Aaron Boone was going to promote him out of the nine spot. He eventually did. Um, I, I think that going forward, uh, it, it's easy to forget how young this guy is. I mean, he's 21 going on 22, has really fast-tracked through the big leagues despite the injury that cost him half a season. Um, I, I think that He's here to stay for a long time. He's going to be an impactful big league player for years to come. And the question remains, you know, where does he best fit for this team? Uh, he, he did a good job moving over to second base last year. He, he, a lot of people would tell you he's the most capable shortstop in the system other than Didi Gregorius. Uh, hey, you know, we're going to get to Troy Tulowitzki in a minute. But Glaber could slide over to shortstop if he had to. Uh, as of right now, it appears to be set at second base, and he did a good job there. I think that uh, he made that transition look easy for him. But that's what you hear from 
baseball people. I mean, he's got that slow internal clock. He makes the game look easy. It kind of comes naturally to him. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be seeing this guy in Yankee pinstripes for a long time to come. All right. The left side of the infield is a little more intriguing, I think, because you talk about shortstop. You just mentioned Troy Tulowitzki. You have D.D. Gregorius. He's going to be back at some point, hopefully. You would imagine um, maybe before the All-Star break, we will see. In the meantime, you have Troy Tulowitzki. You have... Glaber Torres, you just mentioned. You have DJ LeMahieu who can play in some different spots. But is this kind of Troy's job to to kick off the season at least? I, I think he would not have signed with the Yankees. He had a lot of interest elsewhere. Uh, I don't think he would have signed with the Yankees if he didn't have at least a kind of handshake guarantee that he's going to get a really good crack at this job. So if he's healthy going through spring training, I think he's going to be the opening day shortstop. But that has been a big question mark with him, though. I mean, he hasn't played a big league game in about a year and a half. Uh, due to various injuries, and the Blue Jays obviously did not believe he was going to be able to regain his past production. That's why they ate all that money and let him go. But for the Yankees, it makes total sense. Bring him in, see what he's got. Uh, if he can be your answer at shortstop, at least until Didi gets back, and uh, the timetable that the Yankees keep talking about is anywhere from June, July, August for Didi Gore. So it's kind of wide open. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki could wind up getting a lot of at-bats there at shortstop. Uh, and, you know, when this guy was right and when he was healthy, he was one of the better shortstops all around in the game. I know he's been years removed from that, but I think that he was still better than what they had internally and could have plugged in behind Didi Gregorius. So he's going to get a legit crack at it. And as far as DJ LeMahieu goes, I think that a lot of Yankee fans may be sleeping on this one a little bit. You're talking about a gold glove defender, a guy who can bounce around the infield. Um, he's a guy they're going to try and mold into their version of a Ben Zobrist who can be kind of a super sub, a lot of different positions and play five, six times a week. Um, I think that Yankee fans are going to enjoy watching DJ LeMayhew play. I think that uh, probably he's flown under the radar despite the fact he won a batting title because he was out in Colorado. But now that he's in New York and fans are going to get to see him play every day, I think they're going to really like this guy's game. Is there an insurance policy as far as Tulowitzki is concerned? If he gets hurt, does it just simply become Torres swings over to shortstop, LeMayhew can become your everyday second baseman? I think that would be the, the most likely thing they would do because the, the Yankees do believe that Glaber Torres profiles as a shortstop. He's a shortstop who has to play second base because they've got Didi Gregorius. So if you take Tulowitzki out of the mix, I think you just move Glaber over to short. You've got LeMay, who, who as, I, as I said, was a gold glove defender at second base. So that your infield is going to be tight there. And um, I, I think they should be pretty well set up the middle in the event Tulowitzki can't play. And D.D. is a free agent at the end of the year. Eventually, it seems like maybe Torres finds his way back to that natural spot at shortstop anyway. All right, the hot corner. Uh, Miguel Andujar was so good offensively, and he was good enough, I guess, defensively. But it seems like the Yankees maybe aren't sold on him as a third baseman long term. Maybe he ends up eventually moving across the diamond. Who knows? Um, but when you look at this roster as it's currently built, He's going to be there at third base, at least to start the season. You know, I, I know what the advanced defensive metrics say, and, and they, they rate him pretty lowly. But, you know, I, I really, watching every Yankee game this year, I didn't think Andujar killed them defensively. I thought he was he was adequate at third. Um, I, I think it was a work in progress. Let's not forget that the original plan was for him to spend most of the year down the minors and, and get that development time. They wanted Brandon Drury to be the third baseman, and that was the plan. But Andujar forced the issue, came in, stole the job, and – uh, never gave it back. So I, I think that, you know, in a perfect world, they would have given him more time to kind of hone that defense. He's not a finished product over there, but he's 
he's what, 23, 24 years old. I mean, how many 23-year-olds are a finished product, uh, especially defensively at a position like that? So I, I think that he can get better. I think he showed signs of it. The uh, The work ethic is not a concern for me. I mean, I remember going down in spring training and uh, getting to Steinbrenner Field at, you know, 6 a.m., and he'd already be out there on the backfields taking ground balls. The, the grass was dewy, and he was getting his uniform all messy. But, um, I mean, this guy works hard. I, I think that he wants it. He understands the opportunity that's ahead of him. And, um, you know, with the Yankees apparently not in on Manny Machado, as we talked about ad nauseum all offseason, uh, I think Andrew Hart can take that as a vote of confidence that, yes, all right, I'm going to get another shot here to show what I can do. He was second in the Rookie of the Year voting. I think a lot of people would argue maybe he deserved it over Shohei Otani. Um, But I I think that he was consistent throughout the year, and um, the Yankees probably don't get to 100 wins if Miguel Andujar is not on that roster uh, essentially wire to wire. Um, I really think that he was a big part of that Yankee team, and I think he will be again in 2019. So you have whoever loses the job at first base as a backup in Bird or Void, and then you have DJ LeMahieu who can fill in the other three spots. Where do the Yankees look to as far as depth goes? Is it just Tyler Wade, the other guy that has a chance to be on this roster? Yeah, I think Wade's got a good shot. And, you know, this is somebody who I I mentioned Ben Zobrist earlier. Um, A few years ago, the Yankees were actually talking about uh, Ben Zobrist and saying, why don't we have our own version of that? I I remember Joe Girardi called down to the the minor league complex and they presented the idea of Tyler Wade. And that's why you've seen Wade play all around the infield. He's he's dabbled in the outfield. So he's a guy who's got versatility. I know the bat hasn't quite been there at the big league level. Um, he really tore it up last year in the Grapefruit League. I mean, he looked great. Um, and coming off uh, some workouts he did with Albert Pujols, uh, it just did not translate for whatever reason. I know he, he had an illness, I believe, early in the season, kind of had um, you know a nagging cough, and that probably sapped a lot of his energy. And, and by the time uh, that cleared up, then Glaber Torres was there and forget about it. So it was off to the races. But I, I think that Tyler Wade's going to come in hungry uh, for this camp. I know uh, I just saw a picture of him next to Aaron Judge at the announcement of Judge's uh, charity that he launched. So the two of them are going to come into spring training, raring to go, two California guys. And uh, I'm sure that Wade is, is going to try to prove to a lot of people that last year was a fluke and uh, that, that wasn't really all he can show at the big league level. All right, one more thing I wanted to mention on the podcast, and that is the Yankees are getting greener, Brian. Alan Hershkowitz has been hired as the environmental science advisor. That's pretty much a new thing as far as not just the baseball, but it sounds like really professional sports in this country as a whole, but the Yankees trying, I guess, to do their part to help out the environment. And a lot of that is just dealing with things around the ballpark, right? That's his main deal is there's a lot of waste that comes out of a major league ballpark. What do you do with it? How do you keep this thing moving clean and helping out the environment? Yeah, and it's something that the Yankees are are pretty proud of. They put out the press release, and um, they were very happy about that this week. I I think that it's hard to believe that's the first of any kind in professional sports. You would think that, um, you know, with 40,000, 50,000 people coming in every day and as much uh, trash and kind of, you know, disposable stuff that comes into a ballpark, I mean, I'm kind of out of my realm here, but uh, I know that, when you walk by the garbage cans, they're usually full by the end of the night. So um, anything that can kind of turn that green, uh, clean up Yankee Stadium, clean up the, the South Bronx, I, I think I'm all for it. So I think that's all good stuff. Um, I, I will be curious to see kind of how they implement that going forward, because I know it's been something that the Yankees since 2009 have talked about wanting to have Yankee Stadium be green. I think that this Yankee Stadium is greener than the previous one that closed in 2008. And uh, this is another step in the right direction for the team. 
Yeah, and I'm sure he's the first, but I would think now that this kind of idea is out there, maybe we see positions like this start to pop up with other franchises around baseball and other sports as a whole. All right, as always, tremendous job out of you, Brian. Thank you to everybody out there for tuning in. You can follow Brian at Brian Hoke on Twitter. I'm there at MLB underscore McMaster. Check out all our other club podcasts at MLB.com backslash podcast, Google Play and Apple Podcasts as well. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Thank you for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.